Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. And we've got an exciting episode today. Like, I mean, I kept thinking, oh, let's hold the suspense, whatever, but these are our top 10 games. Yeah, there's some good games on here. Some good, good, good games, for sure. And I was looking, and we don't have any duplicate. Uh, we have like okay, we have one crossover, two. Like in in this same section, we have two crossovers in this section, but they're not the same numbers at all. I haven't really looked at, at the list since you've put it on there, so I'm looking at it now. Yeah, I was just looking. I I'm surprised. Now it's not like you haven't heard the other person talk about these games, but yeah, we don't match up on any any of them. <laughs> yeah, I think almost every one of these games in the top ten, somebody has talked about before. Oh yeah, and unless they they're both in this section. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is pretty exciting. Um, at least for me, like I find it interesting. As we every time we do these lists, I start thinking about what games I haven't played for a while, what games I really enjoy, and why I really enjoy them, and then I get excited to play them again. So for me, it's always a fun time. Um, I don't know if it is the same for you guys, but I don't think if you've listened to us for the past, what, 150 episodes of you and me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Uh, I don't think any of these games should come as a surprise to you today. And if they ha- if they do, then you must have been just skipping. <laughs> you haven't really been listening yeah. to us. And we'll gladly talk about these games anytime. But before we get to those awesome games, the top 10, we have a little news. And actually, Jason has our first piece of news. Yeah, so if you've watched our videos or listened to the podcast, you know, ignore everything we said up at the top. <laughs> right. Um, I like a lot of Dr. Finn's games. I don't know if Katie's played as many, but I've played as a many, lot. But some. Um, we. We have a bunch of videos on our channel, and he has made a decision to run his project, his new game projects, through GameFound from the next project moving forward and moving off of Kickstarter. Um, he sent out an email announcement today to everybody who's worked with them on reviews and stuff, and he said that he was having trouble getting seen on Kickstarter, um, so he felt like maybe a new platform could help get more publicity to his games or whatever so he's a little freaking out because he's been on kickstarter since he's been doing games so just wanted to pass that along so if you're looking for dr finn's games they'll be on game found now uh he makes really good games they're not like setting the world on fire they don't get a lot of love but i enjoy them and they're usually some really decent two-player games and for just being a one-man show i think they're done pretty well so just wanted to mention that so when this new game, um, these new two games, which we have covered, Alpujaris and Fisheries of Glouch, I said Gloucester, I got roasted. Um, when those hit, they'll be on GameFound. They're both really good. Gloucester. Yeah, I got roasted because I don't know how to say words. Just any word that doesn't resemble something that might not be American. It's true. That's true. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, I do primarily look at Kickstarter. Occasionally, I will check out GameFound um, and BackerKit. But uh, FanZero does a lot of uh, background research for me. And he looks at all all of them. 
Um, so we will keep an eye out for the Dr. Finn's games, but also, you know, Dr. Finn does let us know. Um, so speaking of that, my game today is not from GameFound. It's from Kickstarter. And let me tell you, things are slow, people. It's a slow time of year. So, you know, play the games that you got for Christmas. Because uh, Kickstarter, for the most part, not great. Not great. I mean, there's some some other more exciting things possibly coming up. But today, I am just have one game. It's from RAR Games. You know, like a dinosaur. Uh, and it's called Arta Slime or Arty Slime. I don't know. It's Art and Slime. So Glue Chowster, Gloucester. See, words are hard. I said that. Are you even listening to me? I'm talking about Artist Slime. I know. You were making fun of the way I said Gloucester, so I'm making fun of the way you're saying Artist Slime. I'm- I was making fun of you by making fun of myself. Okay, there you go. Okay, woo, so successful. What a burn. Give me the aloe. Okay, back to Artist <laughs> Slime. It is a print and play, and it's a card game. Which, again, very popular. The artwork is super cute. So in Artist Slime, you are playing slimes. So you draw cards. Um, On your turn, you play all the slimes you have of the same color on your canvas, which your canvas is your play area. You have to play at least two games. And you play all of them either to the right or to the left of what's on your canvas already, if... There is some. So your canvas is one row of cards. And then like each of the slimes has effects on them. So then you activate one of those slimes, either the leftmost one or the rightmost one. And they have effects like moving cards, drawing more cards, all those kind of things. The reason you want to move cards to rearrange things on your canvas is because you can mix slimes that are next to each other to make new colors, which is cool because you might need those new colors because ultimately you're trying to obtain paintings. And sometimes you need um, certain colors together to mix than to make a painting. Um, So like you may need a green. So you're going to have to have a blue and a yellow slime next to each other to mix them in that third phase to obtain a green slime. Um, Or like, let's say there's a painting. One of the paintings is a tulip bouquet and you need two red and two green. So you're going to have to have two red slimes next to two green slimes and then you can obtain the painting. Um, And so it's kind of a race to see who can get a certain set of paintings first. At least that's what I can tell from it. The artwork is cute. And because the print and play, it is Fairly cheap. So there's 10 days left in Artist Slime. If you like card games, simple, cute artwork. Also, if you are colorblind, it has the words written on them so you can tell what each color is, even if you can't see it, which I really appreciate. Like the more that I think about games and accessibility um, and the more that I, I do know people and play with people that have color blindness color weakness i think that's so important something as simple as writing the color of the card on there is like something that i think is a great part of design so artist slime 10 days left on that it is only six dollars for that print and play yeah that's not a bad deal i mean i we did that one print and play for chai Mm -hmm. and i remember how annoying that was so i probably won't ever do that again but well if you're into that and getting a game for six bucks it's not bad and i think some people are are more set up for print and plays than we are. 
Uh, yeah, well, that's true. I mean, they probably have a printer that works for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some people really are good at working with that and um, pasting things up or they have like a really nice printer or they have a printer that prints like onto cards or, you know, all those kind of things. Like, I think you can really do a lot of great stuff with print and play and, and get games very affordably. We just are not those people. We print stuff out of the library looking crazy. <laughs> That's true. But we still do find games that are affordable because we are those people. We just don't print them out. Yeah. We're more like dumpster diving for games. Hey, there are good games in those dumpsters. Do what you got to do, man. Do what you got to do. Okay, so that's what I have on news. All right, so we're going to talk about a couple games that we played. And we played a decent amount of games, but some of them were games we played before. So we're going to talk about some new stuff. And the first game we're going to talk about is actually a co-op game of sorts. Uh, It's everybody versus one person. And this game is called Jaws. And this is um, based on the movie Jaws. uh, Three players, or if you have less than four players, everybody except one person is going to take on the role of the characters from the movie. I forget their names. Brody. um, Mr. Holland. Yeah. um, And then somebody else. I forget the other ones. And then one person is going to play the role of the shark. And it's played over two different acts. So in act one, the shark is doing like a hidden location moving around thing. The shark is moving around the beach and the ocean trying to eat swimmers. That's the whole goal there. They have four special abilities that they're able to use. And the other players are trying to locate the shark to attach barrels to the shark to keep the the shark from eating people. The more people that the shark eats, the harder the next part of the game is going to be because they're going to have more cards and everybody else is going to have less. Then once phase one is over, either by capturing the shark with the barrels or the shark eats, I think, nine swimmers or something, then you move into act two. And in act two, what happens is the shark is attacking the boat. And you're going to have the shark's going to have a certain number of ability cards based on how many swimmers he ate. Uh, The crew is going to have a certain number of gear cards based on how many swimmers the shark ate. And then you're going to be trying to defend the boat. So the shark's trying to eat the boat, ultimately sink the boat, or kill all the people. And the people are trying to kill the shark. And everybody has a life limit. There's going to be some rolling for hits and all that kind of stuff. There's a little more to it, but that's the gist. And then if the shark kills everybody or sinks the boat, they win. If the shark dies, everybody else wins. That's Jaws. I got to play the shark, so I had a good time. Um, The issue with this one, I didn't read the rule book. I was taught the game. Um, but even after learning the game and reading through the rule book, the rule book is really lacking. There's a lot of gray areas, some stuff that's not explained. So we were kind of doing the best that we could on figuring out what's going on. But even in spite of that, I still had fun playing the shark. So how did you feel about playing the non-shark roles in this game? Okay, well, first of all, quit calling him Mr. Holland. Just because it's Richard Dreyfus. his name is Hooper. It's Miss. It's Mr. Holland. He had an opus, and the shark was trying to eat his opus. The opus came later. I played Brody, um, Quint, and Hooper. I think. Oh yeah, Quint. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was there another person we didn't play, or was that it? No, no. There's only three. Okay. There's three roles, and then the shark. Um. So I've only seen the movie once. Because you've actually seen this movie. Yeah, I know. Which is surprising because I am scared of everything, right? Um. Especially sharks. <laughs> I don't, I can't see in the water. It doesn't mean I don't love the ocean. I just am afraid of sharks, right? 
So much so that I don't want to swim by a dolphin. What if Flipper turns on you? I just, no, no, thank you. Um, so I watched Jaws once because I feel like I should. Uh, and it was okay. Obviously, I don't remember everybody's names very well, even. The game, yeah, the rules are not good. Um, it's so difficult to be not Jaws. Yeah, I was like, I, I didn't think it was hard at all. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, there are three of us. So you feel like, okay, we've got four actions each. You know, we should be able to coordinate a plan together. Um, but you really don't have ways of, like, maybe picking up extra actions. So there's no, like, action surge kind of thing. Um, the board's really spread out. Like, I understand, like, not stacking it in the shark's favor. Or, no, like, not, like, making it super, you know, hard for the shark. But, I mean, it's a shark. Like, we as humans... I mean, I understand. I don't know if they're trying to make it like follow the movie where people were inept at fighting a shark. It just was really clunky. Um, It didn't really make me feel like nostalgic about the movie or anything. Unlike how I feel like Golden Ticket made me like really think about the movie and the the factory and all that. This didn't. I also don't like really hard co-ops that slap you around. So part of that is my own issue. That I don't like that. I mean, um, the look of it was nice. Production was good. Um, but that's really the only nice thing I have to say about it. I don't ever want to play it again. Yeah, it, this is a, I think it's Ravensburger. And it was designed by Prospero Hall. This is a game you can get like Target and stuff. Um, right, which is why I mentioned yeah. Golden Ticket. Because right. you can also get it at Target, yeah. but it's way better. Yeah, I think sometimes Prospero Hall can get in their own way on the games. And I think... They like the Buffalo games, um, so Planted, Summer Camp, and Golden Ticket. Those are really well designed. Uh, they have really good rule books, but they're made for everybody to be able to play. I think in this one, they were trying to make everybody be able to play it, but they lacked on some of the rules to how to play it, which makes it a little bit difficult. Because if we're, you know, we play a lot of games, and if we're having questions, somebody who may not play a lot of games and is picking it up because it's a Jaws theme picks up that rule book, they're going to have tons of questions. So I, I, it's always got to be rules first. You got to write those rules clear. You got to make sure anybody can play the game. And that that is a letdown in this one for sure. Yeah, it makes me wonder, because did Ravensburger also do the Goonies game that they have? I believe so, yes. And I love the Goonies, which Jason has never watched. Can you believe it? I know he would love it. And I, I would, I'm really interested in that game because I think that theme is good and would be really fun in a game. But if this is how Jaws worked out, I'm going to be real sad if the Goonies game is like that, too. It might be Funko Pop or Funko Games for Goonies. I'm not sure 100% because I know um, Prospero Hall does a lot of stuff for them, too. Oh, it is Funko. It's Prospero Hall and Funko. Funko. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the Funko ones do end up better. But again, it's still probably the same issue that the rulebook may not be as great. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah. All right. So moving on from that one. We played a game that we actually backed on Kickstarter because we liked the original so much. Uh, we thought this one would be cool because it's more boards, basically. And this is on tour, Paris and New York, and we played Paris. Now, I played New York with my friend Brandon a while ago, but we all played Paris this time. And in essence, Paris is just regular on tour with a different board. But there is some riverboats in this one. That you can use to connect routes. So if you really get into a bind, you can use some riverboats to move you over to another section of the map. And the farther you use those riverboats, the more points you're going to get. 
Other than that, it kind of functions the same way as regular on tour. The map is a little smaller, I think. There's a couple options for every jazz club. Like normally in on tour, you flip a card, it's a, a location. But in this one, you flip a card, it's going to give you some Roman numerals. And every Roman numeral has two. So you get some options early on. But as you're playing, you're going to have your options limited and all that kind of thing. Um, I like this. I like on tour. This is still crunchy and burny, just like regular on tour. Uh, it's not nearly as crunchy as New York. New York is a beast. Um, but the thing I like about this the most is it's designed by Album Viard. And we talked about his game Clinic. It made both of our top 100s, I think, or at least the top 200. Yeah. Um, so to have On Tour, which we like, designed by Album Viard, you never know what you're going to get. I'm surprised there weren't any polyominoes because he likes that stuff. But um, I enjoyed this because I like On Tour. How did you feel about this one? I also really like On Tour. Um, and I really enjoyed this because I, I like regular On Tour. But having like the two different parts of Paris, so you have the Seine that goes through the middle, um, and kind of deciding where numbers go and being limited by kind of north of the Seine, south of the Seine, um, and then like how are we going to try to use these river boats to bridge that gap and also get us more points? I I really liked it. I think it's really clever. I think it's it's well done. I don't think it's crunchy for crunchy's sake. Um, I mean, I also think that Album Biard, he's like a genius and he's like, what? People don't understand this? I don't, it's yeah, simple. I think, he, I think he hates humans a little bit too. <laughs> so. I don't think that's true. Um, but yes, while this is difficult, it's it's still enjoyable. It is burning. So I think if you, you, if you have to, you have to like that brain burning-ness of regular on tour, which I think a lot of people do. Again, you roll the dice, you write down two numbers in in one of the areas listed. That's it. Um, but the choices, super difficult. Same as same with this one. Um, but I think that I, I like that kind of puzzle to solve. And again, a puzzle and and yet a very simple like package and design. So yeah, I really like it. It's good. Yeah, my only my only issue with the with this game and this company in general is they're really trying to have two page rule books. Period. Mm. No no more no more pages than that. And sometimes I think because you have that restriction, you leave stuff out. So, you know, we had some clarification. Can you use uh, can you cross lines on your riverboat? Can you you know, if I'm taking one riverboat, can I take another riverboat as long as it's not the same the same riverboat being used twice? That wasn't in there. So we were kind of just making the leap, using forms on BGG, going by what people said. But again, it'd be nice if that was in the rule book. So put the rules in the game so people can play your game. Uh, you you got to be able to teach your game from the rules. You shouldn't have to watch a video. People need to be able to read your rules and learn the game. So that's my only issue with these games from this company. But other than that, love it. Yeah, I think Alan Biard is a math, math, a math teacher. So that makes sense. That, that, explains some of the ways games play out. I'm like, I do not have the computation bandwidth for this. I'm working on like the free calculator that you used to get on the shop, old school shopping carts and album VR. has like a TI 89 or something. I just can't. Yeah. Just, just wait till we play New York. Talk about burning your brain, but still fun. Still fun. All right. So those are two of the games we played. Let's keep going. 
All right, this is it. What you've been waiting for, or maybe just me. Our top 10 games of all time. What, what? Okay. Are you going to put like a better sound effect in there when you edit this or you go? No, I'm going to just leave that. What, what? Yep. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Okay. Uh, let's forget that ever happened. So this is the top <laughs> 10 games of all time, which means of the games that we've played over our lifespan, these are our 10 favorite games. Now, this list, I would say, is ever-changing because we introduce new games all the time. We don't play some games anymore. Um, I look at some people who create top 10, top 20, top 50 lists, and I'm like, I can tell when they haven't played very many games because I think their picks are sad. Or I can also tell when they haven't played many games because they don't understand within themselves the mechanics that they like. And so I think at this point in our lives, Jason and I have played, I don't know how many games. Um, we know the things we like. We know what kind of mechanics are going to speak to us. We know what we're going to come back to. Every once in a while we get a surprise. Uh, more Jason than me, actually. He's got, there's... Uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's one that's going to blow your mind here coming up. <laughs> but I, I feel like we've settled into some games. Now, does that make for a very exciting podcast? Probably not. Uh, but we do try, we do like to try new games, um, pull topics for um, podcasts from some of those games that we don't normally play and love all the time because, you know, we can get in a rut with our ugly Euros and our Steffenfeld body pillows. But we love these 10 games and we think you should give them a try. So. Jason's going to start us off with his number 10. All right. So my number 10, I believe it was pretty high on my list last year. I don't have last year's list pulled up, so I don't know that for sure. But just going from memory, my memory sucks. Uh, but my number 10 is a game about making wine. And it is called Viticulture. And we have the Essential Edition, so that's what I put down. I've never played the other one. So Viticulture Essential Edition. And this is a worker placement game where you are trying to grow grapes and then turn those grapes into wine and sell those want that those bottles of wine to customers. Uh, that's it. It's a race to score like 20 or 25 points. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. It introduced like the grande worker where if a worker's placement space is blocked, you can put your big, your big worker out there and still take that action. It has some cool stuff in it, but at its heart, it's a worker placement game where you're collecting stuff and turning it into sell, grape, sell wine. There's also Tuscany expansion, which we have adds just uh, another season and a little section on the board to put some stars. And there's also a cooperative version of this game, which we also have, which uses the same viticulture board, but helps has everybody work together to try to get to a certain amount of points in a certain amount of time. Um, it, it's a great game. I like it. I know some people think it's boring and dry, but I don't know. Those are the games that I like. So there we go. So my number 10 viticulture essential edition. Yes, I like this game. We talked about it. I, I talked about it either last week or the week before, I'm pretty sure. Um, we haven't played it for a while, and I think we should. I'm down. Yeah, my number 10, um, it actually has fallen two spots since last year. Um, probably because we haven't played it recently. But I love this game and I love the version we have because you get to knock meeples off of little balconies. And that is Council of Four. Um, Council of Four, is this by the Italians? Yes. 
Yes. I don't know which ones, but yeah. Yes. Council Four by the Italians, where you are getting cards of different colors in your hand, and you're actually using them to influence members of the council so that you can place... I don't outposts or something. I don't know what the thematic name is Tra- for them. Trading posts. Trading posts at different places in this kingdom. You're trying to connect routes because that lets you like really pump up the bonuses that keep like chaining together. And because com- when I set up businesses, I like to set them up in uh, you know the next town over from each other. Right. Um, and then you are completing contracts and through that getting points for that. Um, you can also bump members of the council off to put on council members that match, you know, the colors in your hand so that you can actually play them. And in the new version, there's just these minis that Simon decided to do, woof, that set along the outside of the board and you just remove them and put a new one on. But in the OG old ugly busted version, you put a new one in and you bump and slide the old one off. I mean, you could probably do it nicely, but I just like... No way. Hiya them out of the council because it's fun. I, this is such a good game. I really like this game. Um, and you can play this in a lot of different ways because you can get um, you can get like bonus points for being in like certain regions and having all those. Or you can go about it and like connect all these roads and like hit those bonuses a bunch of times. Um not only is there these councils, but you can also like find favor with the king and move him around. Um, and that's like another viable strategy too. So I really love that there's all these different ways to play this game, but it's like this route builder kind of hand management um, game. And it's, it's just fun. So my number 10, Council of Four. Yeah, if you play a lot of Ticket to Ride and you're looking for something just a little bit more, check this yeah, out. Absolutely. This is... It'll feel really familiar if you play a ticket to ride, but the other stuff that it adds is very good. All right, so my number nine actually fell. Last year, this was my number one game. I can't... Oh, no, wait, wait. My number, my number two game. I can't believe this. Yeah, it fell. It was my number two game. Fake news. And we actually did play this this year uh, with a few of the guys from the board game rundown, and it is Coimbra. Well, I played it, Katie. There, we didn't have, there weren't enough people, so she sat out, but whatever. Um, and Coimbra is a dice drafting dice placement game where you are trying to get these different cards that are going to give you different abilities, maybe some special powers, um, in-game extra points, and then you're using those dice to be able to move up on income tracks in another phase of the game. You're also trying to move around this central board to visit different locations to put your tokens out there to be able to activate those abilities, maybe get in-game points, all that kind of stuff. It's a Euro game. It feels like a Euro game, but it has amazing art, has colors. It's not just beige and tan. Breaks my rule, but I'll allow it. Um, It's a very good game. I don't know if it even gets a lot of love anymore. It does in our house, but outside of that, I have no idea. So my number nine, Coimbra. You may hear more about that later. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Coimbra. Huge fan. Huge. Huge. Anyway, my number nine um, also dropped from last year. No, it moved up. My number nine moved up. And I don't know if I felt nostalgic about it, and that's why it moved up. Because I don't know if we played this super recently. I mean... I played it online, but I don't think we've actually played the board game version. And so maybe I just thought well of it. And I was like, you know, I really want to play that. That was a good game, wasn't it? And it was and it is. And that game is The Voyages of Marco Polo. Maybe because I was feeling, you know, extra good about Clemens Franz or something. That was (laughs) 
Everybody knows I love Clemens Franz. <laughs> I don't know if this is Clemens Franz. I want to look that up while you do. I think it is. Um, so, Mark, Voice of Marco Polo, this is where you are using dice as workers and you are, gosh, you're doing a lot of things. You're gathering resources to fulfill contracts and that there's all kinds of fun resources, including camels, which I really like. And then you're also, you know, voyaging like Marco Polo, moving around, creating this trade route, establishing trading posts. Um, and those are some in-game goals, too. I love this game because, again, you're not really blocked out of a spot. You just have to have a higher die than the person who went before you. It's just going to cost you a little more, you know, whatever. It's also like one of those games that, again, as you're seeing, what I love about games, games that I really enjoy, are games that you can do your own thing. Uh, you can go travel all over the place, all over Asia, and you can get some great points that way. You're making goals, establishing things. Uh, you can also go crazy into the contracts and work on that. Like there's just lots of different ways to go about this. Uh, and, I, and I love a game that allows you to do that. Also, the player powers. Everyone who talks about Marco Polo and likes Marco Polo talks about the player powers. They seem broken because e they're so good. The thing is, each one feels OP. Like, each one. Because they're all so good. And you're like, oh, I got this one. It's awesome. But then you see someone else's and you're like, dang, I, that one's awesome. And then somebody else has one. You're like, oh, that one's awesome because they're all awesome. So that's something that I also really love about this game is, is it gives you a really great player power. And that kind of gives you a way to go because there are so many ways I think that you can approach this game. It's nice if you have player power that says, OK, you can move extra steps, you know, when you travel. Well, then I guess I'm going to travel a little bit more. Or, you know, I can get goods cheaper. Okay, well, I'm going to be getting some goods and spreading that around. So it, it's it's just, it's a good game. It's got fun little meeple pieces. I love it. Voyages Marco Polo. So the artist is Dennis Lohausen. Oh, dang it. Uh, he's done First Rat, Quacks of Clevenberg, Ark Nova, like 400 different games. But his art does look kind of like Clemens Franz, just maybe a little more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> which is saying something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the the box art on this is real bad, but it's a good game. It's better than Clemens Franz, I think, though. All right. Don't don't disparage Clemens Franz like that. <laughs> Speaking of Clemens Franz, <laughs> my number eight is, is Clemens drawn Franz. and done by Clemens Franz. He didn't design it. He just does the art. He's a... He's an artist, uh, and it is Orleans. Uh, this is a fantastic game about pulling different chips out of this bag to try to move up on tracks. That's legitimately what the game is. The chits mean things, but who cares? You're there red, blue, white, and gray, and you're putting them on your player board to take different actions. You're also moving around the, the main board to visit different locations to pick up different types of goods. Uh, we have an expansion where you can then sell those goods for, you know, extra points and all that kind of thing. If you have certain types and you're in a certain location, pick up and deliver. This is great. I love moving up on tracks. I love tan. This game has everything I love. I also love pulling stuff out of the bags. There's going to be a theme on my list. So stay tuned. I'm pulling things out of bags. Um, so this has everything I like. So my number eight, Orleans and Clemens Franz. <laughs> I think that was my on my last week's list. That's good. My number eight is new to my top 10 this year. Um, and that's because we played it right for the, 
the first time this year. <laughs> That's true, we did. Um, it has a theme that, of course, I love. The university. I love it. And books. So, yeah, it's got to be my top ten, and that's alma mater. Um, the last time we played this, I was like, dude, this game is so good. It's all these things. Is this an Italian's? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like it's a follow-up or the prequel to Coimbra, yeah. Yeah, it's so – it has this the great feel of what the Italians do really well. Um, you are – developing sort of this university and so you're doing that you've got textbooks to manage um you're trying to recruit students and um, faculty and really you're doing that because they're helping you meet goals um they have their own like um powers that you're going to put into play and there's just there's so much stuff going on at any given time in this. And I re- I really love that because you're like, okay, I got to balance this and I want that. Okay, well, I want this to happen. But in order for that to happen, I have to get this certain type of student. Okay, how do I get that certain type of student? Oh, well, I need to get some more books. Okay, well, how do I get the books? All right, I need I need someone to sell my books. Okay, I need to buy different colors of books. I It's, uh, it's thinky and a good puzzle, but I like the theme and the artwork is super cute on this. It really is. Um, I, and this is worker placement. Which, in general, great. Love that. You can unlock more workers. I always like games that let you do that because you're always like wanting to do more. And so a game, I think, that gives you the opportunity to do that is really great. And so then trying to figure out how do I get my extra workers? How am I going to spend these workers? Ooh, at this game. Yeah, it's so it's so good. Now that we play it right, and I feel like, oh, yeah, I know how to get books now. Um, that makes it so much better when you actually play it by the rules that the designers made. <laughs> that does help. Yeah, we were just railing on rules, and apparently I don't know how to read those rules even when they're in there. So, yeah, there is that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we finally play it right, and it's super good. I can't believe this is not in Jason's top 10. Uh, I think he just had a brain aneurysm and forgot about it, honestly. No, I I don't know. I just I like it, but I just don't like it as much as you. And I think part of the reason why you like it is because of the theme. I like it. I would rather play Coinbro over this any day of the week. Um, well, I would too. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I I don't like it as much as a top ten game. That's for sure. You're wrong. I like it, and and I can see how this reminds me of other games that'll come in my top ten because of you know you're picking things that are going to work together that can kind of uh, sometimes run some engines for you you know make certain processes easier um, hitting these goals. It reminds me again of some of their other games and those games that I super enjoy. So that's why this has really moved up for me. So my number eight is Alma Mater. All right, my number seven. Speaking of Clemens Franz, this is another Clemens Franz art joint. This is the bag builder and Clemens Franz list. (laughs) And Dennis Lohhausen. There's more of him showing up, too. Um, And this was actually my number one game of all time last year. It's fallen a little bit, I think, just because lack of play. Because you received a head injury is what I'm seeing here. (laughs) Yeah, apparently. I am struggling. So if you know what that is, it's Grand Austria Hotel. Uh, this is a great game. This is a dice drafting game where you're drafting a die to take an action. There's six different actions. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get guests to come visit your restaurant. Then you're trying to serve them the dishes and the drinks that they want. Once they're full, they're going to provide you with some kind of bonus and some points. And then they're going to go to sleep in your hotel. So you're trying to make sure you have proper rooms because they only want to sleep in certain color rooms. 
and you're trying to just open rooms, get them closed. Once you get certain patterns closed, you get extra points. Every so often, the emperor will come check out what you're doing, and he'll slap you around if you don't meet some criteria. You know, Italians. Um, it's a great game. Thinking about it now, it probably should have been higher. Um, yes. But that is not, so we'll, we'll live with it. So my number seven, Clemens Franz and Grand Austria Hotel. Yeah, I love this game. It will be revisited. My number seven is a game Jason talked about last, I think, last week. And it's so good. Yeah, I think so. It's so, so good. Is this Italians, too? <laughs> this is uh, no. Ignacy Trevicek. <sighs> this game. Poland. Poland. For the longest time, this was a grail game. And then they did a, a reprint. And the, they were threatening to change the theme. And I was going to be real ticked. Um, but that didn't happen. Justice prevailed. And now we have a chance to own Pret-a-Porter or Pret-a-Porte. Uh, this game is awesome. You are running a fashion house. And there's so much to run. Like you are developing collections. Um, you are hiring people to do different types of work for you. Um, you're balancing. Like you've got to get fabrics and stuff to complete the collections. You are actually showing it off and selling it. Like there, all of it is in this. I love it. However, I feel like this is maybe an easier game that has all the kinds of mechanics things happening to work with because it has a very kind of, I don't want to say rigid structure, but like there's a set order to how things happen. And I think that that helps you kind of know what you need to do and when you need to do it, where what you should be paying attention to. Like, I feel like it does try to help you along with that. So you are able to do all the things and the game tells you when to do those things. Now the choices that you make, that's up to you. Um, I, yes, this, uh, this game is so good. I, I, you know, I'm not like a fashionista or anything, but I, I find the whole thing interesting. Um, there's another game coming up that uh, on my list that also has to do with creating clothing that is really good too. So I seem, it seems like this theme is good <laughs> for me, but I think it makes for a really, it, it's a really great theme that works well in pairing mechanics with thematics. And I think this is a great example. It's, it's just a cool game. So uh, my number seven, Pret-a-Porter or Pret-a-Porte. And the new version has really great art. It looks really nice. Yes, it does. Uh, see, we do care about art. We do. A little bit. So much. Yeah. So much, so much, so much so. Uh, my number six is going to hit a couple of things we've already talked about. This is going to be pulling stuff from a bag and also Dennis Lohausen art. Uh, this is a Wolfgang Warsh game. He designed it, and it's called The Quacks of Quedlinburg. Um, this is a pure push-your-luck game. You're reaching into a bag, pulling out some chits. You're trying to fill up your um, cauldron or your whatever. With these chits, trying not to get a certain number of white chits and make your pot explode. You're just trying to have the most points at the end of the game. You're getting money so you can buy more chits to make your bag better. Um, all the chips are have a special ability. They're all really cool. There's cards that get flipped every round that make, you know, they're like events where everybody gets something or maybe it affects what it takes to bust. Fantastic. Everything about this game is great. And I love pulling stuff out of a bag. So had to be in my top 10 because this is the bag pulling section, right? So number six, Quacks of Quedlinburg. Again, I like this game. It should not be this high, but okay. I mean, you can be wrong. That's fine. No, you can be wrong. As we have We've seen We've already established previously. that I bumped my head, right? Yes. Some kind of trauma. 
Um, my number six is another game about fashion. Imagine that. Um, only this one. Well, I guess the new one does have nice art, but we don't have it. Because even if we sort of care about nice art, we don't that much. Um, but this game is Rococo. Uh, Rococo is a game. It's almost sort of a light deck builder, but really you use your cards in your deck to make your action selections. Um, because the cards in your deck represent the different types of workers that you have. So you have apprentices and journeymen and actually master tailors. And you are crafting dresses and coats that you will then either sell or display for points. Um, and again, this is one of those games where you can go into whatever you want to try and make those points happen. Um, there's like, yes, in-game scoring. There's um, You can also invest in decorations and fireworks and things that will also multiply bonuses at the end. It's so good. Like this game is so good. And I know there are a bunch of people disparaging it when it had um, the reprint happen. Like, man, who wants a game about making dresses? And I've openly seen reviewers say, I thought that. Then I played it. And I thought this game is awesome. <laughs> and it truly is. So that is my number six, Rococo. Yeah, I think the only two games that I know about fashion are in your top 10. <laughs> There's probably more. But I'm sure there are. These are definitely the, those good ones. the ones I like. All right. So my number five is Uncle Vitel. And well, it's not. He's not my number five. <laughs> One of his games. Surprise. Uncle Vitel is number five. Surprise. My top 10 list. <laughs> and this is Vinos. And we have the old one. We don't have the new shiny one from Eagle Griffin because money. We've gone over that. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole again. But. Uh, this is a game about, much like viticulture, growing grapes and turning it into wine and then entering that wine into a festival to earn points, money, prestige, all that kind of thing. This is a worker placement game, kind of. You have this little action selection pond and there's nine spaces on this grid. You're going to move to one of the adjacent spaces or farther, but you have to pay money and then take the action. So there's nine different things you can do. Each thing has a whole pile of stuff that goes with it because this is a VTAL game. And it's just good. The um, wine fair is a little confusing. It's happens twice, three times in the game. It's really hard to teach, but it's the most important piece. And uh, other than that, I like this game. It's great. I love it. I love to play it, but I don't want to teach it. So my number five, Vinos. You know, I, I do know how to play this game. Yeah, I taught you, right? Yeah. Because right? the first time I had a bad experience and then I never wanted to play it again. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Uh, and then I, I gave it a second chance, and, and I really like it. Uh, it's not top 10 worthy, but it is it is really good. Um, I think there are still some rules that we were sorting out about the wine fair the last time we played, to be honest. Um, it, it just always feels clunky. I think we played it right. It just feels funky. Yeah. Yeah, but the rest of the game, really good. I mean, really just it's it is really good um the accent selection thing is really cool um i yeah i like this game a lot but not my top 10 but my top number five this is also new to my top 10 and i I think i've actually played this more than jason which surprises me because he really really wanted this game and i can see why because it's super good and that is belgian beers race uh i don't know who does this game (laughs) surprising uh 
Yeah, I forget the publisher too. Uh, it, it, th- this is their only game, I'm pretty sure. I thought the publisher was somebody we n- was. No, it's like uh, I don't know. It some letters. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I just check out. Anyway, so Belgian beers race. You're going on like basically like a backpacking like beer tour uh, in Belgium, which is really cool. And, uh, so you're going around to these different breweries, and they all are actual locations, which you can see in part of the rule book, which is kind of cool. I don't need that background info, but it was it was nice. It was cool. Um, and as you're going, you are collecting like memorabilia from the the breweries. You are collecting. You can buy beer there. You can buy cheese there. Cheese is very important. Uh, you can also drink there, which of course you want to do. You want to taste the beer. However, you know as you're going around, like you you really don't want to get too drunk because. That makes it very difficult to get around. At some points, if you drink so much, you cannot bike anymore. And then you have trouble getting off the right bus stop. And then you nobody wants to hitchhike with a crazy drunk who's going to puke in the back. So it's a game of like trying to go around and taste all these beers and, and add to your collection and stuff, but also kind of mitigate your blood alcohol level over the course of so many days. Um the past several times I've played this, I have like blacked out <laughs> the first day every time. Um, like the theme is funny and it's it's really fun, interesting gameplay of like you you're spending time uh, to travel. And so you really want to do a good job of balancing where you're going with your time because you can get points from hitting certain types of breweries from uh you can fulfill these contracts by having uh different types of beer and cheese and those kind of things so you want to make those things happen um while also kind of doing this time management because you only have like two and a half days or something that you are on this like pub crawl but it's so fun i've had such a good time playing it um i I, the last time i played this game i think i had to teach it and i felt like i taught it badly and i think someone else interpreted the rules incorrectly for me so it wasn't as fun but i know the mechanics are good the game is good and it makes me want to get it to the table again so that is my uh, number five belgian beers race yeah this is good i don't i don't even know where it is on my list but i do like it did you look up who the oh yeah uh byr games who's the designer Michael Boot Botrio. Okay, sure. I don't know. All right. I don't know how to say whatever language that is. Okay. It's got umlauts. I, I don't know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's really good. Number five. All right. So my number four feels like the name should be about clothing or cloth, but it's not. Um, I don't understand the name, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> my number four is tapestry. You're weaving a tapestry through history. I guess that's what it is, but. This game is fantastic. Uh, I love this game every time I play it. We have everything for this except for the cool play mat that su- takes place of the board. Uh, this is just effectively tracks the Euro game. And I know I've dubbed some other game that, but this is the... You've dubbed the many games tracks. that. <laughs> yeah, well, this one really is tracks the Euro game. That's what you're doing in this game, is you are taking an action to move up on a track, paying resources, moving up on a track. Rolling a die, moving up on a track. There's a place in the middle where you're doing some combat, but effectively, that's results of moving up on a track. Um, you also have your little player board that you're doing some polyomino stuff, putting 
um, different buildings down there, some um, landmarks, artifacts, if you can get them. Uh, it's it's great. It's super easy to teach. On your turn, you're either going to move up a, on a track or take income. That's it. You're doing one of two things, and you're going to go until you're done. People are going to end the game at different times. Once you take your last income turn, you're done. Uh, everybody else is going to keep playing. Whoever has the most points is the winner. I love this game. It's so good. I would play this anytime anybody wants to play it with the expansions, without the expansions. I'll even take any civilization. I don't care. I don't look at that breaking stuff. So who cares? I'll just play it and have a good time. I love it. My number four, Tapestry. I can't believe this is that high on your list. I love this game. I mean, it's, so good. it's good, but number four good? It's number four good, okay? It's number four good. Let me tell you what number four good is. Number four good is a game about one of the most influential writers of all time. Stephen King. I'm going to punch you. It's Shakespeare. It's Shakespeare, people. It's Shakespeare. I love this game. And I've been kind of really jonesing to play it lately. And no one's playing it with me. And it makes me sad. Or we just never get to it. Shakespeare, you are staging a Shakespearean play. So you've got these actors that you're putting into play. Um that you're drafting. You're also then drafting costumes to outfit them. You're drafting set pieces. Um, this is all through like a, a bidding to see how many actions you have and who goes first in the actions. There's also um, an expansion called Backstage, which is really great because if you don't use some of your actions, you can use out front, you can use them backstage, which is really great. Um, you can get favor with the queen. I... I love the theme, obviously, but I also really love the gameplay. I think there's a lot of really interesting things going on. It's not overly complex, but it does feel like you're doing things. Like there is a weightiness to it that I, it's just, it's good. It's good, people. And that's Shakespeare. My number four. Yeah, this is good. I don't think I made my top 100 because I don't like this as much as you, but. How can even is, make your top 100 you're living in denial i don't know again the bard if this was a no i'm not gonna make any comments because i want to get punched um I, let me see where it is on my list before i get on to my next one <laughs> this is jake spear this makes for a good radio right here yeah shake oh it is in my top 100 53 53 i was like there's no way this can't be your top 100 it's such a good game but either way i don't like it as much as you because <sighs> it's not my top 10. no i know i know all right, so my number three, yes, three, is more Dennis Lohausen and designed by Stefan Feld and a co-designer that I can never remember. Uh, Michael Reinick, I think, is the co-designer. And this game is called Merlin. This is my favorite Stefan Feld game. Um, so, spoiler, I don't have a number two or number one. This is a Stefan Feld game. This is, I think Katie already talked about it. It's a dice mm-hmm action selection game where you're using a die to move one of your characters around the rondelle, taking the action. You're trying to fight off baddies that are trying to storm your castle, trying to get different uh, picks. If you're playing with one of the expansions, which basically gives you a bonus, trying to have a high number, trying to get Excalibur, the Holy Grail, the ring. If you're playing with Arthur, you can also move around Merlin and Arthur. If you're playing with the Arthur expansion, so much stuff going on in this game. It's so good. It's everything Feld does. You can score points in 50 million different ways. You can take your own path, do what you want to do, and just have fun playing a game. And it actually has some color. 
It's not just tan and beige, which is cool. Um, I like this one quite a bit. So number three, Merlin. Yeah, the, I just looked. So that was my number 17 this year. Last year, it was my number four. It really fell. You basically hate it. I mean, I don't. It just, I, I don't know why, because we actually played it this year. I mean, I enjoy it. Hmm. Probably because Bob, Bob ruined it. <laughs> Way to go, Bob. No, it's fine. I don't care about Bob. I mean, not like, he's a fine person. <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> he's a fine person. It just doesn't affect my gaming decisions at all. <laughs> uh, my number three was my number five last year. And we've maybe, I think we played it once this year and I really enjoyed it. And I don't know if I just longed to play it again, but there's something about what happens in this game that I just love. And that's Newton. So Newton's also is an Italian's game, I believe. Uh, yes. Yes. And this is... <laughs> and Clemens Franz. And Clemens Franz. <laughs> my boy. You know. You know how I roll, right? <laughs> Which is hilarious because I will continually say that I like games that are pretty, but like all of my top 10 games are my Clemens Franz art. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm Maybe I'm in denial. Anyway. Um, yeah. I do. I apparently like Clemens Franz. Newton is so good. I don't know what the theme is necessarily of Newton other than that you are studying kind of sciencey things like Newton. He happens. To, <laughs> I don't know. Um, Cause there are, it's a Euro game. There's no theme. There are books that you can earn and go in your bookshelf, which is like this really cool little puzzle that gives you bonuses, which I love. You also are doing this really neat thing with how you choose your actions by playing these cards. Um, you're also end up discarding some cards each round. So you need to refill them or you're going to be in super trouble. And also, you know, getting cards that are the actions you want to take is important. Um, you can move on this track and get stuff. You can move on this map and get stuff like there is just so much going on here. Um, and this is it reminds me of Alma Mater. So Alma Mater, I think, has risen in my esteem because of how much I love Newton. Because of all the different things you can do, all the different types of goals and ideas for what you want to do and balancing them um, and seeing how you can get these things to chain together in this really beautiful synergy. Like, I just find that great and interesting and I, I love it. So my number three is Newton. Yeah, that is a good one. We do need to play that again because I kind of forget how it even works. Oh my gosh, it's so good. It's been a while. I could maybe teach this. Maybe. I didn't even know how to play it. And I just thinking about it, I can't even really remember how it goes too well. All right. So my number two. Now, we've already said this This section of the list was sponsored by Dennis Lohausen, Clemens Franz, and bag pooling. This one only has bag pooling and has really good art. And this is the first time it's ever been on my list because the first time that I played it was 2022. This is a game that has no right being this high. I understand. It has no right being this high. I don't care. This is my list. I love this game. Didn't play it for a long time because this name stupidly, and I thought it was something that it's not. But this game is Wonderland's War, and I love this game. I love everything about this. It's uh, Alice in Wonderland themed. Who cares? What you're doing in oh the game gosh, is you are moving. Oh my gosh, everybody cares. It's a great theme. You're moving around. This game is played over three rounds. There's two different parts to each round. The first part of each round, you're moving around the tea party table to collect different cards, which are going to give you different things. They may give you more chips to put in your bag. Every chip has a special ability. 
It may let you get rid of madness shards because if you have the most madness shards after the tea party, you get bad stuff. It may get, give you castles to put on the board. It may give you um, extra workers to, or extra meeple characters to put down in a location. Then once everybody has a certain number of cards, we're going to start battling. And effectively what the battles are is they are mini games of like Quacks of Quedlinburg. You're reaching into your bag, pulling out a chit, and you're moving up this track. You're trying to move up farther on the track than everybody else to win the battle. Or maybe not. You could have some cards that you're trying to use. You need to get a certain location to get that card, and you can score some extra points. But if you get uh, pull out too many madness chips and you lose all your characters in the area, you bust, you're out of that battle, and you can't score any points. Then you're going to do all that over, I think there's five different battle locations. Reset it, do the tea party, do it a couple more times, and... I, I love this game. Yes, it's probably not number two worthy. I understand. But I really like it. It was fresh in my mind. I was obsessed with it when I made this list, which is why it landed itself on number two. So my number two, Wonderland's War. It probably won't be there next year. But for right now, I really dig it. I guess I should take responsibility for this. Because I'm the one that's like, babe, you'd really like this. I'm telling you. This is this is a game. It's not what you think it is. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. You're to blame. Nobody to blame but yourself. Yeah. It's good. Don't get me wrong. There's so many good things about this game. I think that the theme fits really well with the mechanics, and I think that it's set up in a way that makes it so easy to teach. My only issue with it is it might be a little too long. Outside of that, I love everything about it. I think it. it can be too long if you play with people that don't get their crap together. And know what they're going to do on their turn. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If you're playing at like three players, it's, it's going to be fine. Yeah, this is a game that if you've got someone who's super AP prone, either like settle in with like a taco on their turn um, and all their turns uh, or don't play with them because <laughs> it will take an eternity for no reason. Yeah, it's good. Uh, my number two game was my number one game of all time for quite a while. Uh, obviously, I still love it because it's so high in my list. It's such a good game. And that is Grand Austria Hotel. Jason already talked about it. Uh, this is, you know, you choose dice to take your actions. You know, you are doing all these things. You're maintaining your hotel, which includes a portion for food and drinks, um, opening rooms, placing people in rooms, um, getting staff, you know, all, all of that and balancing all of that inspections. I, I love it so much. We have the expansion. We have not played the expansion yet. I know why I should be drugged by wild horses because I love this game. But even despite that, like, yes, I'm, I do want to play the expansion. I would easily play the base game i mean any given time it's just so good is this the italians again yeah i'm sure i mean it should be coming those i don't think it's clemens franz art but it's not great art on the box either oh it is clemens okay 100 okay <laughs> oh yeah i made the right choice in that clemens franz body pillow um <laughs> yes i i I'm so glad Clemens Franz doesn't listen to our podcast. I actually looked him up <laughs> on the internet like last week or something. And I was like, mm, he's kind of cute. 
And he's not even that old, right? No, no. Yeah, it's like he's a pretty young dude. I'm pretty sure. But in my mind, Clemens Franz is like ninety years old. I mean, he draws like it. <laughs> I don't know, but no matter what the cover looks like, I love Great Austria Hotel so much. Like, I really want to play this game like now. So my number two, Grand Austria Hotel. Honestly, Grand Austria Hotel looks a lot better than some of his other ones. <laughs> it does. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It does. No, I, I agree with you. Um, so my number one. I mean, I haven't talked about this game yet, and I love this game. I love Uncle Vitel, and this is by far my favorite Vitel sort of game and my favorite game. And I've actually played this by myself a couple times, which I think is part of the reason why it moved up because I just love it. Everything that it does, the theme, the art, the whole package, and that is the Gallerist. This is uh, Eagle Griffin. Um, Ian O'Toole does this art. We haven't talked about him too much because we don't have a lot of his good-looking games in our ugly top ten. But uh, this game is probably Vital's most accessible. It's a simple worker placement game. There's four worker placement spots. You're going to pick one, and you're going to do one of the two actions that are there. And then you may have some tickets or some other way to do some bonus actions. Um, you can leave one of your people behind when you're done. If someone goes to that location and bumps you out, then you'll be able to take another bonus action on their turn. Four places to go, but every place has so much stuff that goes on in there. You're trying to discover artists. You're trying to visit the foreign market to uh, send out your dignitaries and bid on some some paintings. Trying to increase the fame of these painters to make them, or these artists, they're not all painters, to get you more points Um get contracts so when you get paintings done you can sell them to people so much stuff going on it actually makes a lot of sense when you learn it but um in true vital fashion it takes a minute to get there and for it all to click but as far as vital game goes it's the most accessible the one that i always want to come back to because it's the one that i've had the longest and the most familiar with and i just love it so my number one the gallerist i feel like there should be more fanfare for number one you need to build it up a little bit more <laughs> maybe yeah i guess yeah, i love the gallerist but for me like it it's more thinking that i'm willing to put out on a on a regular basis so that's why i saw my number in my top 10 i think it, it was last week maybe my number one game of all time was also my number one game last year and I actually won a convert over to this game by telling them it was my number one game. And Mike over at uh, the Board Game Rundown, he uh, he was looking at games and I was like, oh, you played co- this game? <laughs> and he's like, no, is it good? I'm like, that's my number one game of all time. And he's like, well, we probably should play it. And I'm like, yes, you should. And that game is Coinbra. Oh, Coinbra. Jason talked about it. This is such a good game. This has all the things I love. It's pretty. It's not Clemens Franz. If only. <laughs> you have to be abducted by aliens to make it look this good. Oh, if only my bae Clemens Franz could do this art. <laughs> but he didn't. And so it's really beautiful. And even like the dice are really pretty colors. Now, if you are colorblind, that is a problem. And true, that is true. Yeah, I did not think about that until one of my friends pointed out. Like, I didn't think about that until he had mentioned that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. This is terrible. I I felt I felt terrible that this game is not colorblind friendly. You'd have to do some markups to it. And honestly, I think it's worth it um, because it's so 
good. So in this game, you are dice drafting. But with dice drafting, then you're also getting cards. And then the cards are going to allow you to do all kinds of things. They can help you run an engine. They can move you up on some tracks. They could be in-game scoring. Um, they can move you on a map. And then you've got the dice and that those are going to correspond and let you do things too. You're moving up on tracks. You're moving on this map. I love it. I love it so much. Um, again, there are different ways to play this game. You can go super into one of the tracks. Like I am going to go and move around this whole map and visit all of these. I think they're monasteries or castles or fortresses or something. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a spot. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so you you can go all there and they have like scoring that happens so that you can get points that way, move up, get other things from those. Uh, you can go super into in-game scoring and like really hit some of the, like make your cards count more than once. Uh, I personally like to go for the recurring cards that every time you draft a certain color of die or every time you take a certain thing, you get something else or you move up on a track. Like that for me, mm, chef's kiss, that's how I like to play because I love a good engine builder. Um, but the thing is, if you don't like engine builders, you don't have to play it that way. You can find viable other ways to play this game. The cards are beautiful. The way the gameplay fits. Also, I think this is fairly easy to teach because it happens in phases. Okay, in phase A, this is what we're gonna do. Okay, in phase B, you take your cards. Okay, phase C, run the cards. Okay, fa like it just makes sense. I don't feel like it overstays its welcome. I feel like it goes pretty quickly, to be honest. And for such a meaty game, for it to move that fast and look so good, um, it's it's my number one game of all time. Coinbra. Yeah, I like it. I already talked about it, so I agree with everything you said. Yeah. All right, so those were our top 10 games. Let's run them down. All right, my number 10 is Viticulture. Number 9, Coimbra. 8, Orleans. 7, Grand Austria Hotel. 6, The Quacks of Quedlinburg. 5, Vinos. 4, Tapestry. 3, Merlin. 2, Wonderland's War. And number 1, The Gallerist. And scroll up to the top. Yeah, you pulled a me. <laughs> I know, but at least I know to start from the top. Oh. Oh, burn. <laughs> My number 10 is Council of Four. Number nine, The Voyages of Marco Polo. Number eight, Alma Mater. Number seven, Preda Porter. Number six, Rococo. Number five, Belgian Beers Race. Number four, Shakespeare. Number three, Newton. Number two, Grand Austria Hotel. And number one, Coinbra. So Jason had bag pulling, push your luck. Um, and I forget who the artwork is. Clemens Franz and Dennis Lohausen. Dennis Lohausen. Mine is the Italians and Clemens Franz, baby. <laughs> so those are our top I mean, 10 games of all time. I have Italians too. That's true. You can see, you can clearly see the kind of games that Jason and I like to play. Absolutely. Um, anyone see any surprises other than the Wonderland's War at two? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that game's so good. I know it's I don't even feel bad about okay. it. Okay. Uh, it is good. 
So tell us what you think about the top 10. Please, I would love to see everybody throw a top 10 together. Even if you don't want to like engine rank it, whatever, think about your absolute favorite games to play. And I want to see them on our Facebook page, on hashtag the riveted, our Facebook group, in the Discord chat, and on uh, the Instas. If you know how to make those really cute collages or whatever they do, awesome. Uh, tweet it out to us. Uh, make a little um, ticky talk and show me the games or tell me the games. I would love that. I want to hear your top tens. Um, and I'd love to hear your reaction to our top tens or also our YouTube page. Yeah. And tell us how much you love Clemens Franz and Dennis Lohausen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I will fight you be, for Clemens Franz. No. <laughs> Please, if anyone actually knows Clemens Franz, keep this totally under wraps. And like the last four episodes. <laughs> I know. I would be so embarrassed. Oh, if I ever meet Clemens Franz, I'll just die of embarrassment. I mean, I think he lives in Germany, so uh, we're probably pretty safe. <laughs> one would, Unless he comes to like Gen Con Origins or something. I know. You know, one would think. But then just like I was like, oh, you know, we'll never meet Uncle Vital. And then he like watched a live play of us. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He that's true. He's from Austria. Oh, Clemens Franz is. Yeah. Dennis Lohausen is from Germany. So I guess I just assumed they were both. He he is fairly young. He's like in his 40s. He's in his 40s. I know. I remember looking at a picture. I was like, oh, that looks like not what I was expecting at all. (laughs) I know. I know. That's so funny. Anyway, enough Clemens Franz talk. That's my that's my podcast from the podcast. Clemens Franz fan girls. <laughs> oh, he did Boone Lake too. Get out. Boone Lake actually like has a good box cover. Yeah, it doesn't make sense of the game, but it's a good box cover. Yeah. Oh, anyway. All right. Well, I think I think that's enough nonsense for tonight. <laughs> I've been Katie, who loves Clemens Franz, and I'm Clemens Franz. <laughs> No, I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. (laughs) Keep gaming.